Well, this morning I get the opportunity to to preach to you. Actually, I'm starting a little mini-series, and so if you'd get your Bibles out this morning, and if you don't have a Bible, I encourage you, there are some in the seat backs, and I'll tell you right away where we're going to go. We're going to be in Acts chapter 4, and then in 1 Kings 17, two spots there in Scripture, and I just want to share that with you now so that you can be there. Uh, but I am so honored to just get the opportunity to, to preach to you guys and certainly keep Pastor Aaron and their family in prayer. They had a, a vacation week this last week, and then this upcoming week, they're at Nationals down in Orlando. And so that's where Alicia and Morgan will be uh, sharing what God has put on their hearts. And uh, we're just continuing to hold them up in prayer. It looks like they're having a great time by the looks of Facebook. <laughs> how about it? They're, they're just enjoying their time. And, and he sent me a message last night just letting, letting me know that he's praying for you. He's praying for the church. And so I want to start a, a two-week series here called The Bold. The Bold. Now, how many people in this room would consider yourself bold? Yeah, okay. <laughs> we, got, we got a couple hands that, that went up there. You don't consider yourself bold most <laughs> or some of the hands that are like this, I wouldn't consider that bold. You got to throw it up there, you know, you got to throw it up there. But my hope by the end of these two weeks would be that every hand in this room goes up. Every hand in this room goes up. In this day and age, we need people who are going to stand for the gospel in spite of opposition, in spite of opposition. Now I have a guy up there, you know, you think of the bold, the people that raise their hands, but I want to tell you what boldness is not first, because I want to be really clear about that so that you don't under, misunderstand some of the things that I'm going to say. Boldness is not being loud. Boldness is not being loud. The volume of my voice, the amount that I post, how hard I yell, that's not biblical boldness. That's not biblical boldness. And you know, I have to tell you this, maybe somebody needs to hear this, no one has ever been bullied into the kingdom of God. There are some religions out there, there are some things out there that, that would say that, that you have to be forced in one way or another. It's not possible in Christianity. No one has ever been bullied into the kingdom of God. No one has ever been scared into the kingdom of God. And the reason why I know that is because the Bible says, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. It's through your faith by His grace. It's got to be His grace. There is nothing else that can get us into the kingdom of God. And I think sometimes people forget that and they think they're being bold for God, but they're blasting everybody on Facebook or social media. That is not being bold for the gospel. The other thing that, that is not boldness is pride or arrogance. You know, when we think of boldness, it's like, uh, you know, just stepping up, with, you know, puff out your chest and beat your chest. And, but that is not boldness either. You know, pride comes before a fall, the Bible says. And I want you to see this verse here, Psalm 10.4. In his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. There is no room for God. So, so if your pride is getting in the way, if there is any selfishness or pride or arrogance that gets in the way, that's not boldness because there's no room for God. There is no room for God in our thoughts. So what is boldness? I think about my wife. <laughs> Whose hand went straight up. She's... She's amazing. <laughs> she, this week, okay, one day, Wednesday morning, she wakes up in the morning and she decides, you know what? I'm going to color up my hair blonde and shave up the sides. <laughs> You're looking at the guy who hasn't changed his haircut since fifth grade. I look at her and I, I think, my goodness, how can you even think about doing that? Honey, aren't you going to think about this for a second? And she's like, nope. 
I need a change. Let's do it. That day, she got her hair cut. And doesn't she look beautiful? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're looking at the guy who, in speech class in, in uh, high school, I'd be the guy who would stand there for speech class with my knees, like, shaking like this. You know, just the paper shaking all around and trying to talk. And that, that was not me. But when the power and the anointing of God comes on you, the Spirit of God gives us boldness. It gives us boldness. You know, I look at the early church, and the early church didn't have Enneagrams, personality tests, spiritual gift assessments. They didn't have any of that stuff, right? I'm a two, by the way, in Enneagram. My wife, obviously, is probably a seven or an eight. But anyway, they didn't have those things in the early church. They didn't have that. It was, in, it was in or out. Like you, There was this boldness. There was this incredible power that they carried. And that was the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the only power that can give you that kind of boldness. And trust me, I get, I get nervous still sometimes when I get up to, to speak. But when the power of God, when the anointing of God is, is on my life, I know, I know beyond knowing that, that I have a word that is shut up in my bones right now that I'm about to proclaim to you. And that I pray would, would touch your hearts. And, and it's only by that kind of boldness that, that we can live this life. You see, I see a scriptural boldness that comes from a spirit-filled life that gives glory to Jesus. And it was for everyone. It was for everyone. See, God gives ordinary people extraordinary boldness. And if you're taking notes, that, I would write that down. God gives ordinary people extraordinary boldness. And God really gave me a definition for you that's, that's very clear here today. Boldness is living the life God calls you to live in the face of adversity without compromise. Living the life God calls you to live in the face of adversity without compromise. That's what I see. That's the church that I see that Jesus set into motion in the book of Acts. You know, on Wednesday nights, we have our, what we call our prayer gathering where we, we do, we worship a little bit, but we've been, going through, uh, we've been going through the book of Acts because we really want to look at what the early church looked like and the work of the Holy Spirit in the church. And so we've slowly been, been working through the book of Acts and, you know, Acts chapter one, we see that, that Jesus ascends into heaven and, and it's incredible what, what happens and then they wait. And then by Acts chapter two, the day of Pentecost, they are filled with the Holy Spirit. And then bold Peter, right? Bold Peter steps out and he preaches this bold message in the face of thousands of people. And on that day, 3,000 people got saved and baptized. This is Peter who denied Jesus three times and ran away, by the way. I call that boldness. Then in chapter, chapter three, it's pretty interesting because Peter and John, they, they actually heal a lame man which that's incredible. And people still continue to come into the kingdom of God. And that's awesome. But then all of a sudden in chapter four, they get, they get thrown in jail for it. Because the people that were in charge thought, we can't let this start happening. They're here proclaiming the name of Jesus. And so here we see in chapter four, that the priests and the Sadducees, they, they bring these two guys, Peter and John before them. And they say, by what power or what name have you done this? Peter says, Jesus Christ, who you crucified, but God raised from the dead. And then in chapter 4, verse 12, says, salvation is found in no one else. 
For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. I mean, that's, that's boldness. I mean, they probably could get stoned, beaten, tortured, any of these things. And, but right before that, we see Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. God, God fills him with, with power and with boldness. And suddenly they step out and they do this. And it's pretty interesting because the next verse, verse 13 says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They were astonished. I want to read it to you out of the King James Version. It says, Now, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived, now listen to this, they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. I looked as a man, unlearned and ignorant. But it really, it really dug me in because I wanted to see, like, what, what's he, what are they really saying here? Because, uh, I mean, King James got a little more rough on them, you know? It's just not like ordinary. No, no they were ignorant. And I looked up the Greek for, for those two words. The first one is agramatos, which means illiterate. So here they're calling them illiterate, ordinary men. Then the next one is idiotes, a nobody, one who lacks knowledge. That's where we get the word idiot from. So in the original language, it really says that these were illiterate idiots. You know, look at these men. These are illiterate idiots. What is wrong with them? So how many of us can say, thank goodness, God can fill me with boldness. If he can fill these idiots with boldness, oh, man, he can fill me with it, right? But that's the early church. That's the church that Jesus Christ started. And that's the church that continues today. It's the bold. It's the people of God being bold. They saw the boldness and yeah, they, saw, they thought that they were illiterate idiots. And, you know, some of the, it, we see it throughout history. Some people who, who were nobodies. They were nobodies. And God elevated them to, to speak to, to thousands. Charles Spurgeon, one of the greatest preachers. We, we see quotes from him all the time. You know, he preached his first message because he, he was a substitute in a Sunday school class in a cottage. He wasn't in a big church. He didn't get his moment like here in this moment. He preached his first message from that. Never went to school. D.L. Moody. He was saved when he was 17 when his Sunday school teacher told him that, that God loved him. And yet later, his Sunday school teacher said, that boy He's the, she actually, he actually wrote this in his memoir. She, she said, that boy is the least likely boy to become a Christian. <laughs> Literally. Actually, the church denied his membership over and over again because they thought of how, like, he, he, he wasn't worthy. He didn't seem like he was qualified. And, and now we see the incredible work that he's done. And Hudson Taylor, he actually grew up a, a preacher's son, but he ran away from his Christian beliefs. But at 17, he, he read a tract. He read a tract and, and he gave his life to the Lord. He goes on to become one of the most noted Christian missionaries ever. Ever. God can fill you with boldness too. You know if he can do it for me, an illiterate idiot. <laughs> he, he can do it for you as well, but I, I don't want to pull down the educated because we also see Moses. Daniel, Paul, St. Augustine, Martin Luther, Billy Graham, the God filled with boldness. God can do mighty works through his people. It's for everybody. And you know what I see in scripture? It's the norm for a Christian. It's the norm for a Christian. 
There's a key verse, and if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. We're not actually going to go over it till the end, but, but this verse, I've just been, it's like one of those, like, simmering, you know, you just see a pot simmering. It's just one of those verses that, for me, just, I, I had to keep coming back to it and coming back to it, and it's in Proverbs 28.1, and we'll put it here on the screen. It says, the wicked flee, though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as lions. I feel like you got to say it like that, right? But the righteous are as bold as lions. You know, the, the wicked flee, but the righteous are as bold as lions. And we'll come back to that verse, but I just want that to hit your heart right now. I really believe that that, that verse is, is something that can, that can stir your heart even in this moment. But if we go back to the book of Acts, we see that Peter and John, they, they do this incredible this incredible thing of, of standing up and speaking out, and then they have to let him go. I mean, what do you say to some people that just, they healed a, lot, a lame man, and all these people, I mean, the crowd would, would go after the Sadducees if, if they knew that they had done something to Peter and John, so they let them go. So Peter and John, they went home with their tail between their legs, and they just stayed at home for the rest of their days. No, that is not what they did. That is not what they did. They went back to the other apostles and they told them what had happened. And you know the first thing that they do? They begin to pray for more boldness. I mean, I thought that was bold already. And yet they go back and they pray for even more boldness. So maybe you already raised your hand here today, but but God can give you more boldness. That's just what he does. And so they go back. They don't pray that God would take them out of the circumstance. Hear that. Somebody needs to hear that. God, they didn't pray that God would stop the circumstance. They said, give us boldness to do what you're calling us to do. And I want you to see this prayer. It's in Acts chapter 4, verse 29. This is part of the prayer. He says, now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. That's pretty bold. It's like, yeah, we almost got put in jail and killed for, for healing that guy, but we want more. We want more. So I, I have, I, I don't know how many I'll get through today. It's, I have two weeks to do it. But I have four, four characteristics of the bold. And this is the first one. Pray. But I don't mean just pray like now I lay me down to sleep. Lord, I, I hope he takes my soul. You know, like, you're saved. You know what I mean? You don't need to pray that prayer. I mean, pray bold prayers. I mean, pray bold prayers like these, these illiterate idiots did in the first century of the church, right? They prayed these bold prayers, and God did incredible things through them. They prayed for boldness, and I thought they were already bold. And then what, did, what happened? The Spirit fell on all of them. And they all went out and proclaimed the word boldly. It wasn't just Peter and John. Every single one of them were able to proclaim the word of God boldly because they were willing to pray bold prayers and that God would fill them with that kind of strength. James 5.16, this, this verse, it says, the prayer of a righteous person. There's that word again, though. I want, I want you to see that throughout. The prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective. James is talking about us praying over the sick and seeing them recover and praying for the needs of the church and and seeing God show up and to move. So if our prayers are powerful and effective, we can ask bold prayers. We can do some bold things. 
But the next verse in James 5.17, I want you to see this because this blows my mind. And it says this in James 5.17, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. Hold up. Wait a second. He was just like us? You mean the guy that called down fire from heaven? He's just like us? You mean the guy that raised a man from the dead? He's just like us? You mean this guy who had incredible exploits for the kingdom of God and, and then passed his mantle on to the next guy who had double the amount of miracles? I mean, he's just like us? That comes right after that verse that says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. That means we can pray those kinds of prayers. But I want you to see the next part. It says, He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. And again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. That's a natural miracle. That's a natural miracle. I mean, God does these incredible things with people who pray bold prayers, but, but you have to go back. That's why I have you in, in 1 Kings 17. You have to go back and you have to look at what was happening with Elijah. You know, this prayer that he prayed for, that, that God would stop the rain, this was the first time we see Elijah even show up in Scripture. All of a sudden he shows up and he stops the rain from coming. And here's the verse in 17.1. Now Elijah, the Tishbite from Tishba, in Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. He just comes up to the king, King Ahab. He says, As surely as the Lord lives, God's going to stop the rain. That's a bold prayer. I don't know about you, but I, I don't know if I'd be willing to pray a prayer like that but I have to look at it and why would he pray that prayer? Why, why would Elijah just suddenly show up and, man, why, why can't he just like show up and do like a sign or a miracle? You know what I mean? Like, the, the, like heal somebody or do something that's like good for the people, right? You think like, why would he pray a prayer like this? And this is the importance of praying bold prayers. We can pray God's promises. We can pray God's promises. We can be bold enough to pray his promises because in, in Deuteronomy chapter 11, we see that. We see that the Lord is speaking to the people. This is when they're going into their promised land. They're about to take hold of what God has promised them. And he says, if you obey my commands and you do what I'm calling you to do, I will bring crops. I will bring all these incredible things. The rains will come down. The, the earth will produce. You'll have an abundance. And that's what it's going to be like. But then we hear this in verse 16. Be careful or you will be enticed to turn away and worship other gods and bow down to them. Then the Lord's anger will burn against you and he will shut up the heavens so that it will not rain and the ground will yield no produce and you will soon perish from the good land the Lord is giving you. Elijah was just praying the promises of God. He was literally just, he just prayed that exact prayer. He knew that that's what it was. And that's because in the, in the verse right before that, we find out that this King Ahab, he was a bad guy. And he had a bad queen for a wife. And they did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And it actually says that they did more to arouse the anger of the Lord than did all the kings of Israel before him. You know, it'll get to a point where suddenly God's like, I, I promised this. This was the promise. But Elijah was the one bold enough to stand up and see what was happening and say, God, 
I pray your promises over this land. And, and then it comes. The drought comes and the difficult times come and yet the bold will still stand up and they'll, they'll pray the bold prayers. They'll pray the difficult prayers that are hard to pray. They'll pray the will of the Father, the promises of God that some of us, we don't like to read all of those tough ones. And yet he prays something like that. And that's incredible. But I want you to flip over to the end of chapter 18 because we see Elijah and he does this incredible miracle of calling down fire from heaven. He prays and God does. He, he brings down the incredible fire from heaven and, it, and it, it totally decimates everybody. And then they kill the 450 prophets of Baal. I mean, it is awesome. And then all of a sudden, all the people drop down and they're worshiping God. It says that they, they laid down and you're like, God is the Lord God. He is the Lord God. But what did that promise say? If the people will turn to me, if they will obey my commands, if, if the heart of the people will turn towards me, I will bring rain and I will bring produce and I will bring all these things and the abundance that comes from the prosperity. God says that he, he wants to, us to prosper. He doesn't want us to be harmed, but it's turning towards him. And so all the people turn towards him. And I gotta, we got to see this because this is the second part of what James had said. He said, again, he prayed, and then the rain came back. But we've got to take a look at this part of the story. And Elijah said to Ahab, go eat and drink, for there's a sound of a heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel, bent down to the ground, put his face between his knees. So here he, he says, I, I hear some rain. I hear some rain. Everybody's looking like, it's been a drought for years. What's wrong with this guy? What do you mean you hear some rain? And then he gets up to the top of the mountain, again, praying God's promises. The, the people are turning back to God, and, and he lays down. And this is the, this is the second thing about, pray, about, about praying bold prayers, is you're praying God's promises, but you pray earnestly. You pray it out. I mean, you, you do, you keep going, and you keep going, and that's what it says happens here. He goes and he, and he bends down and he, he, he's weeping and he puts his face to the ground between his knees and he's crying out to God. And then he says to his servant, go look toward the sea. His servant went and looked up. There's nothing, he said. Okay? Seven times Elijah said go. How many of us have stopped with one prayer? How many of us have stopped asking God and Maybe it's his promise. Maybe you see it in his word, but you've stopped asking. I prayed this seven times. And the servant goes out like, what are you talking about? I keep going out there and there's nothing happening. Why do you keep telling me to go out there? <laughs> what, are we going to do this forever? And he's like, yes, because it's God's promise and I'm going to keep praying and I'm going to keep praying. And, and I believe even if it wasn't seven times, I mean, seven times is God's number of completion, but but even if it was 10 times, he would still do it. Because he prays bold prayers. He persistently prays. It says pray continually in the word. And sometimes we stop praying and we say, God, God, it's too much. I can't handle it anymore. And we just stop praying those prayers. Maybe it's a loved one that you've been praying for for years. And you've stopped. Somebody need to hear that today. You can pray boldly. You can pray bold prayers. Next verse, though, says, The seventh time the servant reported a cloud, as small as a man's hand, is rising from the sea. 
little tiny cloud coming up from the sea. This is where you have to pray believing. The second you see God start doing a work, you just go after it. You go out, that's what the bold do when they pray. I mean, look at, look at his response. I mean, there's this little cloud. I mean, imagine years of nothing, and then all of a sudden this little, little cloud starts to come up. And so the servant's like, there's like a little cloud over there this time. And, and, but Elijah, he's like, oh, wait a minute. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. The rain stops you. All of a sudden, this incredible deluge of rain comes upon them. But that's when, when we pray, believing that God is going to do what he's going to do. And the second you start to see God do a little something, you just believe and you believe and you pray and you get more boldness. Then you pray for more boldness and then you be bold and then you pray for more boldness. And, and the seventh time I got down on my hands and my knees and I prayed and, and then all of a sudden we see this incredible work of God. He brings the reins back. I've, I can honestly say I've never prayed for God to just stop the sun like Joshua did. That God would, would do these crazy things. And the early church, they prayed that they would see signs and wonders. They prayed boldly. And they kept praying. And even though they went through their difficult circumstances, they kept praying. And they kept praying. And they kept believing. And then anytime they'd see a little something, they'd be like, there's God, let's go, let's do it. And that's what the bold do when it comes to prayer. Now, I need to share with you a, a testimony. This is personal. This is my own personal journal. That, uh, so I'll just give you an insight into my life. <laughs> this, uh, this journal, I, I like to write down first what God, what I feel is going on in my life. I'm just honest with God, honest with myself. This is what I feel like, God. This is what's going on in my life. I just got to tell you, this is what's going on. And then I do my devotion. I do a soap devotion. So I look through scripture. I pick it out. I let God speak to me through one scripture that the Spirit pulls out to me that day. And that, that's my regular devotion time. But a, a miracle happened in our life last year. My wife was battling, for those of you who don't know us, my wife was battling breast cancer in this last year and a half. And as you can imagine, it gets, it gets pretty tough uh, in, in a lot of areas in your life, and, and including your finances, because you've got, you got to deal with insurance companies and bills coming in, and I still have two kids i got to raise. And so I, I went back, and, and I just decided this week, as I was praying about this, to look back and see what I was saying to God in that time. This is on October 8th. 2018. Today I'm feeling very frustrated. My car just broke down again and will not start at the church. We are hurting financially and need a car. I do not want to be frustrated or take my frustrations out on anyone. At times like these, it's hard to think that we can make the right decisions. But I choose not to live in regret. But trust that if I do what God calls me to, He will provide. Now, I could have stopped there. Here was my prayer. I, I prayed for a number of people in the church. and God, I also ask that you help guide me into wisdom when it comes to my vehicles. I know you can work miracles in even the most unexpected places. That was my prayer on October 8th, 2018. October 9th, 
Just had my car towed today. (laughs) Trying not to be frustrated or to focus on the financial mountains in front of us. I understand that we should not pretend that they are not there, but I also realize there is no mountain that cannot be moved by faith. I am praying to have wisdom and guidance towards a new car situation. I want to be sure that I remain humble and submissive in it all. Next day, still praying for my car situation. I highlighted it. I'm also praying for our finances as well, hoping that we can feel a little relief soon before our vacation. Well, we didn't. Tires almost blew out on our van that we had like duct taped together on our way to vacation, cut, cut it short, and, and we just had time after time, we had this, this old beat up van that just literally duct taped together. I mean, the, the side window was actually duct taped to it. And Again, I'm feeling the financial burden stress again, but I've been here enough to know that I won't stay in this place. That was on October 11th, 2018. December 22nd, I officiated a a wedding, and it was extremely hard because my kids were in the wedding, it's family, but my wife had just had another major surgery the day before, and I needed to figure out how to get her home. I had gone and I spent half the night with her before this wedding. It was just a long night. And and then her her best friend, Lori, uh, came, said, "I'll, I'll pick her up and I'll bring her home. And so thank goodness, well, I get through the wedding, I get through all this stuff, and you know Christmas is three days away. I got two little kids. It's it's chaos at that moment. And so I get home and my dad and my stepmom are there. And they came in from Cleveland. I'm thinking like, really? Today? Out of all days? Like it could have been any other day, but today, today you guys showed up. And, and so I get home and Lori's just kind of hanging around. I, I tell them all, you know, I got this now. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. We love you guys. Here's the door, you know, kind of thing. like, like we're, we're good now. Okay. And, and so and so then all of a sudden, Earl and Danielle, Britt's parents show up. I, I had texted them saying, no, it's not a good time. And they still showed up. And I said, guys, really? What are you doing? And, and so I'm frustrated and I'm just exhausted. And so anyway, I, I get into the kitchen. They're all sitting there talking. And my dad says, Chris, I want to talk to you for a second. Said, okay. He says, we know that you and Britt have been through a long road this year. We want to help get you back on the road. We got gifted a new van. God is faithful. He is faithful. I never asked for a new van. Nobody ever read this journal before me. Nobody's read this journal since then. Her best friend, Lori, was the one who had the idea. And so I asked her this week. I said, Lori, can you tell me when when did you have the idea for this. Like, she's been through a really difficult circumstance as well in her life. And so for her to even decide to do this, I mean, that's the most unexpected place I would have ever expected it to come from. My prayer. She said, it was about the beginning to the middle of October. I came up with the idea. You can't tell me that God doesn't answer prayers. You can't tell me that you can pray bold prayers and God will show up. He will do what only He can do and then He gets the glory. That's how it works and that's how the bold are. They pray bold prayers. They're like Elijah where they they pray and they can call down fire from heaven. We can believe that God will perform signs and wonders. He can heal people today. 
He can bring you out of your circumstance in a moment, but he'll also give you the boldness to go through that circumstance. And you just keep praying and you pray and you pray and then you get down on your knees and you pray and you pray again. Until Jesus comes or the grave, you pray. You pray earnestly, bold prayers. But here's the second thing. One reason many of us never get an answer to our prayers is that all we do is pray. You can't just pray like Elijah. You have to act like Elijah. The second thing is a P word. I like the alliteration. It's posture. See, the bold, they, they posture themselves. It's not just about praying and praying and praying and praying and praying. They posture themselves. They ready themselves. It's a spiritual posture. The spiritual posture, if we look at Elijah, actually Elijah's name means the Lord is my God. That's what his name means. Elijah, the Lord is my God. There's nothing else to it. It's like a, a period on the statement. The Lord is my God. That's a, that's a stance. That's a saying. This is my posture. The Lord is my God. No matter what comes against me, the Lord is my God. And so what does he do after he, he starts to, to hear the rain, begins to, to pray and pray and pray. They see a cloud come up and he says, it's about to rain. And sure enough, in verse 43, meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose, a heavy rain started falling and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord, listen to this, the power of the Lord came on Elijah, tucking his cloak into his belt. He ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. I looked it up, it's about 14 miles. He tucks his cloak in, he just starts running all the way into the city. Here's the rain. He basically smells the rain. <laughs> he knows the rain is coming, and then sure enough, it downpours. Ahab gets on chariots, and, and, and sure enough, Ahab's on these chariots, and they're going off, and he runs past them. <laughs> he runs all the way past them. This boldness, this stance, this readiness, and and I was funny because I'm, I'm looking at that phrase. It says, tucking his cloak into his belt. In the King James Version, it says he's girding up his loins. <laughs> so and in that day, they wore these long cloaks. Well, to run and to move and to do something, they had to tuck, they had to tuck that in. They had to, to, to grab it all up and put it into their, into their belt. And so they would shove it into their belt, and then they would go running so that they were ready. Like, that's, that's the ready position. That's how you, you do it whenever you're going in and you're going after something. And I thought, that statement is very clear. When I was growing up, and I've been thinking about my mom a lot lately. Yesterday would have been her birthday, 61 years. But uh, when I was growing up, she always made me tuck my shirt in. She'd be upset today. <laughs> She would always, I wasn't allowed to go out of the house until I had my shirt tucked in, right? I had to have my shirt tucked in before I could go and do anything. Even on the soccer team, you know, the kids are always taught, you, you tuck your shirt in. You know, that way they know if there's a foul because they can pull. But anyway, the, the you tuck your shirt in, right? You're not ready. You're not allowed to play the game until your shirt's tucked in. And spiritually, I got to tell somebody, tuck your shirt in today. Get ready. I wasn't allowed to leave the house. I wasn't ready to do what God has called me to do until I had my shirt tucked in. We see this actual exact phrase again in the armor of God. We see that in the armor of God. It says, stand firm constantly. I mean, over and over and over again in, in God's word, he says, stand firm, be strong and courageous, stand firm. Even when the angels show up, every time an angel showed up, you notice what they said? Don't be afraid. But lean in. God's in this. Lean in. 
Hook in your shirt. Get ready. Get in your ready stance. Posture yourself for what God's going to do. And sometimes we've been praying and praying and praying, but we've been laying back on the sofa of the spiritual life and not, not being prepared and ready and, and excited for what God is going to do. We have to have that kind of posture. In Ephesians 6, it, it tells you about the armor of God and constantly it says, be strong in the Lord. Take your stand. When the day of evil comes, take your stand. Stand your ground. After you've done everything, stand. It's just over and over again. It's talking about this ready stance. It talks about girding up your loins into the belt of truth. When you know what you believe and you know the truth, you can tuck your shirt in and you can be ready with the truth of the gospel. You know, it's not just good enough to put your armor on. You get in a ready position with it. Sometimes people are busy putting on their armor, but the cloak's hanging out. Tuck your shirt in. Get ready. God wants you to move. It says to gird up your loins into the belt of truth, not just let it all hang. You just got to move forward to what God is saying. God is saying that we, we got we to live with an expectation of bold obedience to what he wants us to do. That's the posture. The second God says something, we're able to move. The second the, the cloud began to rise, it, it was time. It was the moment. Even before I hear the raindrops, I am tucking my shirt in and I am running in. I'm postured and I'm ready. Could you imagine if he wasn't ready for that moment to move in to everything that God has? I always love uh, the story of David's mighty men. You can see it in 2 Samuel. I think it's chapter 23. David's mighty men. I mean, these guys are incredible. I had, I had a student once ask me in youth group. They're like, the Bible's really boring. I said, did you ever read about these guys? And the one guy stood up against like a thousand people. Killed him himself. The one guy, Eleazar, the Philistines had gathered for battle. The Israelites retreated, but Eleazar stood his ground and he struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and it actually froze to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. See, the Lord brought about a great victory that day because one man was willing to stand his ground. He didn't have his cloak hanging out. He wasn't, he wasn't laying on the couch He's like, no, God said this, we're going. We are going. And he stood his ground and he battled against them. And if that's not good enough, Shammah, one of his other guys. Philistines banded together in a field of lentils. Israelite troops fled from them. So all of the Israelite troops, supposed to be the people of God, start running away. Running away. But Shammah took his stand. In the middle of the field, he defended it and struck the Philistines down, and the Lord brought about a great victory. These, these, like, that sounds powerful, you know. This is spiritual. See, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. It's spiritual weapons. It's spiritual readiness that I'm talking about here today. I don't expect all of you to suddenly tuck your shirt in when you're leaving here today, but spiritually I do. Spiritually, I expect that when we leave this place, we posture ourselves to what God has got for us. And when you do that, when you ready yourself and you have your shirt tucked into the belt of truth, like these warriors, and they said, no, God said this. You're ready for obedience when you take your stand, when you're leaning in to everything that God has for you. I love this quote by Bob Goff. He has a new book out called Everybody Always. It says, we don't need to make faith easier it's not. We need to make it simpler, because it is. See, what, what that statement says to me is, is it's not e faith is not easy. 
I'm not here saying like go up against every one of your giants and we just sang it here, the giants will fall on. You know, I'm not saying that you're not going to be afraid. That you're not going to have difficult moments. You think Shammah and these guys, you don't think they were afraid to face an entire army? But it is simple. It's a yes or a no. So are you going to carry the boldness of God or not into your circumstance? It really is simple. And could you imagine Joshua? You, you hear him, this, this, this mighty warrior, he's about to cross the Jordan and God tells him over and over again, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. Like stand your ground, get ready. You know, gird up your loins, you're going in. You're getting ready. And so what did he do? He postured himself, not just physically, but spiritually for the things that God had ahead of him. You know, sometimes it's simply saying yes and being prepared for whatever may come. Whatever may come. Sometimes you just say yes to God. You just have a bold obedience and you posture yourself and say, I'm ready, God. You take me where I need to go and I will follow. Sometimes it doesn't make sense and sometimes it looks downright foolish. When I lost my job, I I didn't take the first job, so I lost my unemployment. I didn't use my degree. I turned down my first pastor opportunity. We had just had my son. By the world's standards, that's the dumbest thing you could ever do. I knew what God was calling me to. I tithed my income first before anything else. Those are the times where you take your stand and you stand your ground and it looks like foolishness to the world. It looks like foolishness. But honestly, that's the message of the gospel. It says in 1 Corinthians 1.18, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The cross and the message of the cross and what God has done for us, that's our power. That's our boldness. And to everybody else, it looks foolish. I can tell you how many people told me how foolish I was in those circumstances. I remember the times when I was kneeling in the snow and I was crying out to God and saying, I'm following after you. Why isn't it getting better yet, God? What, what are you doing in this circumstance? And, and yet here I stand. God can do those things in your life if you're obedient to him. If, if you have that bold faith like Patrick and, Patrick and Alicia Collins and you just say, I'm just giving it to him. He's saying this, so that's what I'm going to do. It's not easy, but it is simple. It's, it's saying yes, saying yes to God. First Corinthians goes on to say, brothers and sisters, think, think about this. Think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. And I, I don't know why this thought danced around my head. <laughs> but uh, when I think of that foolishness, the first thought that popped in my head is my mom, when she would dance around the laundry room, she looked like a fool. <laughs> I'll tell you what. My, my room was right, like right outside my room. It was like a closet, basically, that, that had our laundry. And so when my mom would be doing laundry, she'd be singing and dancing around. And you know how embarrassing it was because that window was kind of categorized under our front door. So anybody that would walk towards our front door looked in our laundry room window first. That's the first thing that they saw when they looked through that window. 
And it's usually my mom dancing around, you know, like that guy dancing around, just singing and dancing. I didn't want to come out of my room because she'd always pull me in, right? She'd always pull me into it. And then I would be dancing around. And then I'd really get embarrassed because people would show up and be like, what is happening in there? But you know what? I never questioned if she loved me. Never questioned it. It looked like foolishness from the outside. From the outside looking in, looking in through that window, that looks like foolishness. She loved me so much. That's how it is with the gospel. It looks like foolishness to everybody else. When they're looking through the window and the world looks at the way that we act and the way that we do things, it looks dumb. We look like illiterate idiots. (laughs) But but God does an incredible work in and through our lives where they go, "I, I don't know how it's working for you. I don't know how that just happened. Yeah, I do. My God. You know, my son, I forgot to share this earlier. I have to share this. My son prayed for a blue van. None of us wanted a blue van. None of us wanted a blue van. In fact, that was last on our list, but none of us prayed about it. My son prayed over and over and over again that he would get a blue van. And sure enough, we got a blue van. <laughs> but I'm going to raise him up and say, yeah, you, you pray that prayer, son. See, God did answer your prayer. All the rest of us, we didn't pray. You prayed. You got it. We pray and we, we posture ourselves. But let's be honest, it's not always easy. And it wasn't easy for Elijah because in the next chapter, we see him running away. We see him running away from what God had for him. He ran really far. I mean, hundreds of miles. <laughs> he ran really far away. This is what depression looks like if you read verse uh, chapter 19. He prayed actually that he would die. Aren't you glad that God didn't answer that prayer? Sometimes God's no means that there's a better yes up ahead. So he comes to this mountain and and he's crying out to God and God's response says, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? So he gives him the sob story. There's nobody left but me and everybody's turned from you and I've been zealous for you. I've been doing what you're calling me to do, but God, there's nobody left but me. God says, okay, I'm going to pass by. And so there's, there's this violent wind, there's an earthquake, there's a fire, but God comes in a gentle whisper. Here's what he says. What are you doing here? He says, what are you doing here? Like, this really isn't where you're supposed to be. You know that. You know that you've got more work to do. So here's what the Lord says, because he gives him the sob story again. He says, God, I've been zealous for you. I've done everything for you. I've, I've, I'm, I'm, I've done everything you're asking me to do. God says, go back the way you came. Imagine that. He's fleeing from, for his life because he thinks, he thinks, he doesn't know. He thinks that Queen Jezebel is sending people after him. And uh, so he, he's scared. He's afraid. It says, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. How many of us are are fleeing or running away from the life that God's called us to? Funny Charles Spurgeon said, he who was the most courageous of all men fled from an angry woman. (laughs) But God will meet you wherever you're at. God knew he wasn't supposed to be there, but he still met with him. God's in this room today. 
and he still wants to meet with you. You might be running from what God's called you to. You might be running away, but he's asking you today, what are you doing here? Go back the way you came. Tuck your shirt in. There's more for you to do. I want to put that verse back up on the screen, verse uh, Proverbs 28.1, because I want to talk through it here for a second. This verse, again, has just been simmering, Proverbs 28.1. Put that one up on the screen. It says, The wicked flee, though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. You know, when we see the word wicked there, you, you think of evil and everything like that. But that word wicked actually means criminal. It means one who is guilty. So the guilty ones, they flee. Even if nobody is going after them, they're, they're carrying this weight. They're carrying this guilt. They're carrying some sin. They're carrying something that's making them guilty. So they're fleeing, even if nobody's even chasing them. You know, somebody was chasing them, but, but some people are that way in their lives. That they've been running away from what God has called them to. They've been fleeing. They've been going in the wrong direction. Then there's the word righteous. It's all that a righteous, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. But what makes us righteous? That word righteous means legally declared not guilty. Righteous just means that you've been legally declared not guilty. Everything's been bought, paid for, you're, you're, you're clean. That's what gives us that kind of boldness. When we stand with that assurance, when we stand with that knowledge that, that what Christ did on the cross looks like foolishness to the world, but we know that's our power. Because we've been declared righteous. We've been declared not guilty. Not guilty. Romans 3.22 says the righteous, righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between a Jew and a Gentile. That's saying that ordinary people, ordinary people can do this. Ordinary people can receive this. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We were all guilty. Honestly, we all sin. We've all got it. But see, it's only under the blood of Jesus Christ that we're declared not guilty. And it's with that that we can stand with that assurance that we can posture ourselves, that we can pray bold prayers and know that he hears us. We know that he hears us. See, a bold church is the church that Jesus started. A bold church prays bold prayers and postures themselves to say yes to God. There's a story of a Chinese house church, and this is a true story. Uh, They'd have to meet underground, and they weren't allowed to, uh, legally by the government, weren't allowed to have church. They'd get thrown in jail or possibly put to death at this point. And uh, so they're meeting in, small group meeting in this church, and an armed soldier in a government uniform shows up to the doorway. And he gives them one chance. He said, one chance for those who are not willing to suffer for their faith. Right now, you have a chance right now that you can leave. You can leave. Never come back. Several of them left. They started crying and sobbing and their heads, they hung low and they they left the building. Others prayed out loud 
bold prayers. The rest just stared in fear, but they remained determined and they stood where they were supposed to stand. He said this, any more who choose to leave? No one spoke, but no one else moved. Good, the soldier said, laying down his weapon and he loosened his collar. He said, I would like to join you and hear what you have to say, but I will not join with any who are not committed enough to your God to suffer for him. I wonder what the American church would look like if that was the case. I wonder how many people would stand their ground, how many people would begin to just boldly pray, pray to the Lord. I, I, I wonder how many of us would be left in this room here today if that was the case. But like I said, faith is not easy. Don't get me wrong, it's not easy. But it is simple. You can choose today. You can choose today if, you, if you're feeling guilty, if you're feeling like that kind of guilt and you've been running away from life and you've been running away from the things of God, you, you can still go back. You can go back the way you came. You can tuck your shirt in. You can turn around right now and you can choose to be the bold. You can become the righteous because the righteous are as bold as lions. They'll do what God is calling them to do. They'll pray the prayers that God's calling them to pray. And so as we close here today, I'd ask that you'd all stand. We're just all going to stand right now. We're taking the posture right now. We're going to stand. I want to pray a closing prayer over you. And uh, we have some people who are willing to pray bold prayers with you. Let me be very clear. The altar is not just a place where you come when you have things in trouble. The altar is a place where you can seek God. Where you can pray those bold prayers. And so maybe you do have a need in your life that we can be praying over you, but maybe you just want to see more of what God has for you. I'd encourage you this morning, just come forward. Like, God, God, I want to be bold for you. I want to turn and I want to run towards the fight. So I want to pray for you here tonight. The prayer team can come forward. And anybody else who'd be willing to pray with some people, if you could, if you could come forward. God, we just thank you so much that, that we are the bold. That God, your, your, your blood, Lord, covers it all. And if there's anyone here today that, that would consider themselves guilty or the enemy has been condemning them and, and playing with their minds, Lord, today, I pray, Lord, that they would go back the way they came. That they would see, Lord, that your blood covers it all that today that they would choose to say yes to you. It might look like foolishness, but God, we love you. We care for you. We want nothing else in this world, God, but to sit at your feet and to do what you've called us to do. God, I pray that we would live a life that we are called to live in the face of adversity without compromise. And that your people today would leave this building with boldness, with faith, with assurance that they are the righteousness of God and that they carry that righteousness with them on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and next week when they come back in here to church. So God, we will give you all the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. You guys have a great week this